get your house in order, cash is oxygen, and uh, make sure you've got plenty of it. Capitalise your business, understand where your, your, your money's at and um, how you can get your hands on it to go and buy some good opportunities for the next two, three years. You are listening to the Property Developer Podcast, your home for tips, ideas, and inspiration to help take your developing to the next level. Now here's your host, Justin Getty. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the show. Thanks for joining me. Continuing on with our series of COVID-19 discussions with thought leaders on what you can be doing during this unusual time. In this episode, I'm talking with Dan Holden about all things related to finance and capital and what you can be doing during this lockdown period. We cover things you can be doing, how the finance markets are reacting, should you delay your funding applications, should you be buying, and the importance of cash during these uncertain times. Dan's appeared on the show a number of times. The latest episode he featured in was number 56, where we talked about what you can be doing during soft times. I think that content is still relevant, so I suggest you go back and have a look for some uh, other ideas about what you can be doing at the moment. Just a quick project update. My project is in pre-construction mode, so we're just waiting for services to be abolished, tidying up some paperwork, applying for building permits and other permits, just getting everything ready to go. So we're pretty close, still looking at demolition next month, which will be exciting, starting to get some big machinery on site. Okay, let's kick off our conversation with Dan Holden about funding and finance and what you can be doing during this coronavirus pandemic. Dan Holden, welcome back again to the Property Developer Podcast. I think you're the guest who's been on the most number of times. So it's always good to have yeah, you on. Right. Yeah, it must be four or five times, yeah. It's good that you keep um, accepting the invites to come back and talk to us. Um, yeah. So I've been doing a series of conversations with people around what they can do during this COVID-19 pandemic that's sweeping the world and certainly affecting us here in Australia. And finance yep. is always a big part of the property development game and getting the finance right in a time of uncertainty is always a sort of big question. So I thought let's talk to you about what your thinking is around what property developers can be doing during this time of uncertainty and what's happening in the in the capital market. So can you give us your, your, your thoughts on, on what's happening, what people should be doing, is money still out there, all those sort of big questions that people will have? Yeah, so I think um, to answer the first question, should, should I guess what, what should they be doing in the current time, uh, I guess using the downtime, efficiently. Uh, um, one thing we are seeing or having a lot more focus on is the actual sponsor, the developer and their background. Um, so a- actually taking the, the downtime to get all of that ready. Um, it's going to be question one, two, three, four, five when talking to a lender. So having that information available, ready, prepared, packaged um, is I think a good use of time at the moment. Um, and that includes financial capacity, ANLs, cash flows, historical cash flows. Here's the last five projects I did. Here's the the fees of them. Here's how much cash I put in. Here's how much cash I got out. Here's the debt structures I used in the past. Um, it's it's something that uh, I guess outside of the current time economic times we're in, 
it, it does get glossed over um, by, by both the borrower and sometimes the lenders as well. I think it's something that at the moment is very important. Um, it's, it's something that I guess we, we look at, uh, particularly on some projects where it's, um, you know, where the developer's putting in minimal capital. Uh, we'll go back historically and want to see the last couple of projects they've done, how successful they were, um, what went wrong, you know, how much contingency was used, all of those things. And, and the developer should have that information available, being able to package it up. Uh, once you do it once, it's done, and then you've got it available for, for the future. Um, so spending a bit of time to get all of that prepared um, and show the historical, but also showing the, so that's one side, and it's probably two pages of information. It's not much, but it, it, the, that level of detail is very impressive for a lender to look at. Um, and then looking forward as well to say, well, here's my fixed costs, my variable costs um, in the business, and the you know having a... A cash flow that, that we can see the group uh, within the group, all the projects that you've got. Um, it might be one, it might be eleven, and seeing when they run off, what debt pieces you've got, you know, putting them in a timeline so that we can see debt expiry, um, debt exposure. Um, you know, do you have four projects with one lender? Is that a risk? Um, and being able to map that out. And again, it, like that's only two or three pages of information, but it's it's very good information to have uh, at pre-packaged at your fingertips, ready to provide to uh, lender for your next project. So it's it's taking that time to prepare your own information so that you are a, you know, presenting as a quality borrower and a, and a savvy property developer, entrepreneur, I guess, um, is, is where you should be uh, positioning yourself and using this time to actually have all that information up to date, ready to go at your fingertips. Um, I would have thought probably that also say I don't know anyway, Dan, stuff you'd like to have a picture of your business anyway. Uh, it is, and, and people should. Uh, I think a lot of people, um, you know, as I say, gloss over it. Um, they focus so much on the property, the project, that it's um, it's times like these that, that lenders uh, are, are going to spend a lot more time looking at you. So have your own information ready is essentially the, the message there. Um, and the other thing is, I guess, um, don't don't do it alone. So talk to your advisors, your accountant, um, your solicitor in terms of structuring risk um, mitigation um, and finance broker. Have a chat to them. There's a lot of uh, value that we add uh, our team here beyond just getting uh, a well-priced debt package. It's, you know, how, how do you structure your pipeline of projects? How do you repatriate capital back, um, you know, make capital available, uh, how do you have capital available to go and buy another site if you're, you know, looking at the moment, vendors are getting a bit more um, uh, conditioned and ready to sell. Uh, do you have two million cash sitting ready to go and jump on that next site, settle in 14 days? Like that's that's the opportunity and, and making that opportunity available within your business um, that you should be uh, looking at right now. And so from a project perspective, are there types of projects that you would they hold off on making an application unless it's particularly strong or is it, I'm hesitant to say the word business, no. but would you keep ticking on a standard type project? Absolutely. And, you know, residential people, people need somewhere to live. Um, I think retail is probably a little bit tough at the moment. Um, a lot of retailers aren't even open, let alone trading successfully. Um, so that definitely hampers it. A lot of rent reductions uh, going around. Um, 
you know, that also creates opportunity. Um, spoken to a few developers recently who are out there um, trying to buy some uh, under under rented uh, and hurting uh, retail tenancies, um, with a view that you know over three years they'll they'll trade up and and let out and and be a good asset long term. Um, so it's probably it's it's not so much what you would avoid; it's what you would probably not jump into if you're not currently doing it. Um, and you know, in lending, they're called specialised assets that most lenders will lend less on or avoid, like childcare, service stations, uh, aged care, retirement. Um, all of those specialised assets are, um, you know, I guess something that you sh- you shouldn't be venturing into if you haven't done many of them in the past. Um, I'd so I'd, I'd say it's more a case of sticking to your knitting. I mean, if you've just built 10 service stations, sure, build another one, but uh, I wouldn't be out there trialling an era at the moment. That's not, not the time for it. So I think in terms of picking projects to do it, it'd be stick to your knitting. And are lenders still out there? I'm hearing of capital being withdrawn and some people holding off on lending money, just waiting to see. What are you finding? Yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely it's different, quite less players, um, lenders are holding their capital back, um, you know, we're seeing people do lending on reduced gearing because they're not sure or comfortable uh, you know, with what the valuations might do in the coming 6 to 12 months. Um, some lenders have completely shut shop um, and you know, there's, there's a few reasons for that. Um, one might be that their capital source is, is shut. Um, you know whether they get money from overseas or money from mums and dads, or or they've got a um, uh, a pooled fund and and their fear of redemptions. Um, you know, it doesn't take many redemptions on a pooled fund to to make make the cash available pretty pretty small and um, and and funding future future drawdowns and what have you. Um, yeah, there's there's quite a few lenders that shut. Um, hopefully, it's it's temporary and that you know they're back open again soon once it stabilizes and I think I think that's the, the key thing um, late March uh, there was a lot of phone calls that we were getting from lenders saying that they're shut and um, uh, hopefully once things stabilize normalize people can get a better uh, picture of what's going to unfold in the coming weeks and months um, that they can re reposition their book and uh, uh, sorry I guess recalibrate their book in terms of cash available and commitments they've already got, um, and then have a better picture into the future. Um, I mean, you know, if you if you're managing a, a pool mortgage fund, uh, it'd be uh, it'd be pretty. I wouldn't say scary. It'd just be uh, a risk that you've got of if you're relying on projects to repay to then pay the next, you know, do future projects. And those current projects, you know, you might get titles and call for settlements, but if the buyers aren't able to settle. Uh, which we've seen a few cases of, uh, not falling over, just delayment, delays to settlement, um, then you're not getting your money back uh, to fund the next project. So it becomes a um, a bit of a catch-22. And so some lenders have had to, uh, I wouldn't say shut, I'd say pause is a better word. Yeah, and when you say that, um, how things stabilise and pan out, what what do you, what does that look like in your mind for for lenders? Uh, so I think it's a, a, a lot around the valuations and the settlements. Um, you know, if you're managing 300 million and you've got, you're expecting 30 million back this month and it doesn't come back because the buyers of the end product of the last project can't settle because they are getting delays in their bank funding. You know, you're, you're used to getting in 30 mils and, and lending out 30 mil every month in a 200 mil fund. 
you, when that slows down, it just slows everything down and it, and it kind of, you know, truncates everything back. So um, it, it's more just uh, assessing it all and getting an understanding of it. Um, we, we did, unfortunately, we, we saw some borrowers get mucked around by lenders. Um, thankfully, none, none that we're involved in, but we've had a lot of inquiry from people saying, hey, I had a, a formal letter of offer here and, and I've just been told the money's not available. It's created a bit of a, bit of a panic um, uh, and it's also created, I guess, a, a massive spike in inquiry for stuff that we've been dealing with, um, trying to find new homes for, for projects to fund and, um, uh, and likewise, even, even just down to settling a site for the next project or residual stock, um, even doing like little uh, MES top-ups to capitalise interest. Um, we've done two of those in the last five, six weeks. Um, so an example of that, you might have a 10 mil loan and uh, you've, you've now got a pad out. You're expecting to pay most of it back in May and you've now got to assume the worst that it might be take until August to pay that out and another four, five, six months for those buyers to come in and settle that and pay that, extinguish your debt on project. So you've now got to uh, you know, capitalise your, your business essentially. Um, so we've been doing a few kind of what we call equity redraws it might just be one or two mil top up on a project uh, and that just lets everything stabilise and settle. You're not panicking. and um, uh, Or we've done complete takeouts, residual stock refinances. Um, so you might have 10 mil. Uh, uh, we did one just recently. It was I think the initial debt was 8.8. We did a new loan of 9.6 and that reset the interest for the next 12 months. Um, so it has pre-sales. The, the project was com fully complete. It had titles. Um, they were calling for settlements. Um, buyers couldn't uh, come and view the property to then do their pre-settlement inspection, get all the fundings in place and all that kind of stuff, um, interstate lenders and what have you. And so uh, we recapitalised that debt for another 12 months and that then takes the stress out of it for the developer that they're having to find, um, you know, you, you, on 8.8 on mil you'd be finding uh, a fair chunk of money every month to service that interest. So we recapitalised that whole facility, took out the construction facility, a new first mortgage at 9%, per annum and it, it'll, it'll now sit there comfortably for the next 12 months. Then after the panic sell, fire sale, uh, they can, you know, feed the balance stock to the market. Those buyers that are there and do want to settle, you know, willing buyer, willing seller, it's just the, um, you know, logistics of getting the settlement to happen that is slow at the moment. So, yeah, so that's some examples of things, I guess, that we've been doing and, and uh, you know, rushing in to do over the last probably six weeks since it's all started to slow down and unfold. Yeah. And what kind of projects are going to get in trouble? Uh, Undercapitalised ones, ones that are you know sitting there with a um, a small layer of equity and not enough interest cap. Uh, they're the ones that are going to get in trouble, and the the lenders tapping the borrower on the shoulder to say, "Mate, you got to start servicing this debt." And if they can't service it, then it's in default. All of a sudden, you're paying instead of paying eight percent per annum construction funding money, you're paying, I don't know, 13, 14, 15%. I don't know what your default rate would be, but it would be higher. Um, and so coming in to, to re, reset that debt, we're doing quite a bit of. So, yeah, projects that will struggle are ones that, that are undercapitalised and don't have a clear strategy and can't withhold um, another six months of uh, not being in a panic and, and fire selling and taking deep discounts and, um, you know, panicking basically. And what do you think uh, in the construction sector, what's going to happen with building and prices, 
opportunities? Well, th thankfully, it's been classed essential and it's it's still been going. Um, talking to some builders that we're uh, building projects we're currently funding, uh, we did have, have this discussion with a few of them. Um, one of them said to add 15% to your timeline, no, nothing to your cost. Um, Labor might be cheaper, materials might be about the same or a bit more, um, and it's just more timing. Um, you know, we, one of the first clo closure or distancing measures was, um, was it 100 people or whatever? Um, and so some, some projects, bigger projects that we're funding have 200 people a day at peak. And so being prepared that that might be, you know, working in shifts and, and add a bit of time. So uh, adding 15% to the time is, is I guess, what we've been uh, been told by a, a major building in Brisbane and we agree with but not, not, not too much impact on costs we're seeing yet. And with China being back open, we've got one project waiting on lifts from China um, and it was an eight-week delay and, and they're due to arrive in Australia um, end of April, so hopefully next week. And are you forecasting or anticipating that there'll be some distressed sales over the next three, six months, nine months? As in completed projects, apartment? Like that type of thing, or you mean site sales? Yeah, sites or projects that maybe fall over in between because they run out of capital or the capital gets. Yeah, I mean, I think I think now you see, uh, you know, those distressed sales or you know going cheap. Sometimes it's a function of the seller being in a desperate position. I tell you, a lot of time it's actually a function of a, the buyer being savvy, smart, sitting on a pile of cash and just making a really cheeky, short time frame, cash, cash offer. Um, I know a few of our clients are sitting on cash right now um, and starting to make cheeky offers because you just don't know what the seller's position is or maybe they're just fatigued and they're just, yep, hey, yeah, I wanted to sell this site for four mil, but geez, 3.2 at the moment would be bloody great. And they probably, you know, who knows, they might not even be in distress. It's just that they go, okay, I'm, I'm done. Um, uh, you know, emotions are a big factor in decisions at the moment. And um, so, yeah, I, sometimes you know, people talk about distressed sellers. I, I think it's actually, uh, you've got to think at the opposite equation, which is actually savvy buyers. Being, being smart, being prepared for these situations, having a good amount of capital on standby um, and having a good business model and a good approach to these things and um, jumping in and, and buying things. So, um, yeah, there's two sides. Yeah, well, it certainly felt for me like two or three weeks ago there was a lot of uncertainty and fear around quite broadly. I kind of get the sense maybe that that's settled back just a little bit, um, but just never know what's going to happen. Um, and what about gazing into your crystal ball and forecasting what might happen in terms of property specifically given we're probably not going to have any population growth over the next 12 months 18 months unemployment's probably going to go up what are you thinking yeah. more broadly well, i think uh, i think in terms of for the next three three to six months anyway if we break it up that way it's working through what's what's currently in the pipeline um as i said we haven't seen any settlements of of the completed product faulty yet which is great and hopefully they're just delayed and they do settle um, you know on a longer term view definitely employment will make a, a, a decent impact to property and confidence um, it also brings out the the people who see that as opportunity um, to buy now because 
you know, most investors should have a, a five, 10 year, fifth longer to 20 year generational view on, on property, not a week to week view. And so if you're investing in something at the, at the moment, you should be still confident because in, in five years from now or 15 years from now, it's going to be a, a, a good buy. So I would also just look at it from that point of view of going, well, there are still people who uh, have jobs. There are still people who can borrow money. Um, uh, and if you were, I guess, on the sidelines or marginal to be lent money to as an investor, like, you know, you're, if you're building a property development project at the moment and you're relying on those marginal borrowers to buy your project, then that's not really a good sound business model. I'd be, I'd be saying if you're doing good good product in good locations, close to amenity and uh, a, a good, you know, enjoyable lifestyle created by it, that people are still going to buy it. Um, you know, people need a place to live. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be saying it's still it's it's still going to tick along and as so long as employment you know they're saying it, it's going to go into 10 11 12 percent category but I, I would think that that's temporary until you know things open up again and and start trading again um i think it's also probably uh given people a little bit of a a jolt in terms of what their focus is and and um you know how how close to the wind they might have been been sailing and they didn't know it um so uh yeah it's definitely um I guess created some opportunity for some of our, our clients who are out there um, and who are, are cashing up at the moment via, as I said, those either those equity redraw facilities we're doing on their current projects so that they've got three, four, five million bucks cash sitting there to go and buy things um, so that they're, they're in there and, you know, it's, some of our clients made uh, great money in the in the post-GFC market because there was less people competing on sites and they were building projects that had a, um, 18 months, 24 months timeline to get product on the ground. So, um, you know, they're taking a view that it's not about uh, the third week of April 2020. It's about, uh, you know, delivering product in the middle of the year 2022 and, and having good product at that time that's close to good amenity and, and is actually desirable product. Yeah, and you'd have to think that once this sort of passes, Property will be one area that governments look at to really pump prime just because of the multiplier effect that it has. So I think there'll be some opportunities yeah. when that time comes as well. Yeah, well, you would, you would hope so. I mean, they're doing a lot to shore up businesses at the moment and business confidence. So um, you would hope if property starts to falter a little bit that they, they jump in in some way, shape or form, which, like you say, they've done in the past. Yeah. So don't hold off on buying necessarily, is what you're saying? Oh, I think if you've got a sound business model, you'd be um, probably tentative for the last six weeks and, and based on the way that the the virus side of things is, is curbed as at the third week of April, you'd, you'd expect the economy to reopen in, in the coming months and, and that it's going to hopefully have been a, um, a hiccup. And uh, and you'd be back out there. They're putting in place your your five year plan. I mean, I've said it a couple of times. You don't re recut your five year plan every five weeks. It's it's in place. You you don't rethink it. You don't change it. Um, sure, if you know the whole economy dropped twenty percent and and it was absolute disaster, you'd, you'd revisit it. But there, there sh you should be investing for the long term, and you should have a business model that is long term. And you know. It, you, you need to assume that it's going to span 
uh, cycles, you know, property market, share market, everything's always gone in cycles for generations. You know, it's five years, seven years, ten years, it, it's always had a cycle. And so if your business model doesn't take into account that things are going to go in ebbs and flows, then it's not really a business model, is it? It's a, can't, you can't be fair with a sailor all the time. <laughs> Hit and hope. Uh, well, it's kind of weird because we were coming out of a, a sort of down cycle, weren't we, and things were looking fairly promising and then this has swamped everyone and it looks like it might impact and have uh, head towards a downward trajectory again. But as you say, the, whenever it goes down, it eventually has to come back up. Yeah, and as I say, if you're doing a, a two-year project, then you, you're not worried about... Um, May, June 2020, you're worried about the future and just you should be just worried about delivering a good product. That's That should be a major focus. And do you think there's going to be a surplus of stock in, say, 18 months' time, two years' time when we've got no, popula- no growth in population and construction and building still going on and completions beginning? Yeah, I think, like, like you said, we previously went through a bit of a, a glut of stock um, across all three eastern seaboard cities and what you found is that very quickly um, as there was oversupply less projects came on and so the supply drops generally in tune with the demand um, so you would hope that less projects may kick off uh, going forward from today in a sense that it's either uh, the barrier to entry is higher for, from funding or just getting the project to stack um, or, or secondly, that more projects get deferred and, and therefore we don't have a big wave uh, of projects all, all uh, settling and hitting the market at the same time. Um, I also think, you know, getting pre-sales over the next six months is probably going to be more challenging. Um, and, you know, getting them the qualifying pre-sales as well. You know, normally in, in this kind of a, a phase, you see buyers reluctant to commit fully and pay a full 10% deposit and and commit to a project that hasn't yet started. Um, so you see that buyer reluctance um, when it's just hoarding on a site. The, the developer's saying, yep, trust me, I'll get started soon. You start seeing a bit of reluctance from those, those investors to buy that product. And so you see a bit of a shift there as well in terms of the requirements for funding, uh, that, it, that it has a bit of a shift as well. So there, then, then you see uh, a the... the I guess the developer that does projects in the uh, tougher times is generally um, has a strong balance sheet, can weather the storm of holding a project for more than four to six months at peak debt and can start projects without pre-sales either because they're um, you know very bankable client with a good project um, and they pick up sales along the way. And, and we're probably going to see more of that uh, type of funding required in the coming months. Yeah, and I think once the pandemic passes and people start looking to move back or move into Australia or the immigration starts up again, I wouldn't be surprised to see more interest in people wanting to move to Australia given that it's a fairly safe and healthy per- perception of being a healthy country. So you might get a lot of uh, wealthy, healthy migrants fleeing to Australia. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I, was, I was talking to some, a um, fairly prominent developer the other day. Um, well, it must have been about three weeks ago now. And uh, it was just as that second stimulus package was announced and he, 
he said, I said, oh, how are you feeling about things? We're in a couple hundred apartments right now. And I said, how are you feeling about everything? He said, mate, I, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm too optimistic, but, uh, you know, they've just spent a couple of hundred billion in the economy. Interest rates have never been lower. Employment will take a temporary hit and hopefully it comes back. Think, think forward to September, October, November this year, and we've got all this money in, awash in the economy and, and some confidence comes back to the economy. You've got a great recipe there for, um, uh, you know, things to really kick. Yeah, well, let's hope they're right. But, yeah, coining these new migrants coming in that are healthy and wealthy as wealthies fleeing to Australia. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. Um, Tell me, what's something that you've learned in the past few weeks in response to what's been happening? This has been a strange time. Yeah, uh, probably one of the things I've learned and, and some developers the hard way is that some lenders that you expect to be there may not be. Um, we've seen some pretty sizable lenders pretty much just pivot on, on a dime and, and stop lending. Um, oh, name names. It's a bit of a shock. Name names. All right. No, I think it's I think it's fairly well known who they are. But um, uh, and also, even in the last two weeks, our office has been contacted seven or eight times by new shops that have popped up out of nowhere, claiming to have a couple of hundred mil to lend out. You know, minimal experience in the space. Uh, there's a lot of time waster people popping up out of nowhere, and it's just do you, do your DD on who you who you're going to borrow money from? Are they going to um, you know, disappear as fast as they appeared. Um, you know, there's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of homework to be done around uh, just lenders in general. Um, there's a, there's a, a lot of questions that you should be asking, um, you know, um, of the lender, how they fund the project, um, you know, what they do, how, what loans have had go bad, what did they do. Um, you know, there's, it's, it's the time to be cautious on uh, who you I guess ultimately you're getting into bed with uh, as a, as a lender. Um, it's it's really critical. We've seen some some pretty shocking things happening in the last couple of weeks, and it's it's unfortunate both to see lenders treating borrowers pretty poorly, um, and to see brokers just uh, you know saying whatever they have to to get get a deal done um, in in these times. It's 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 pretty scary, and, and unfortunately sometimes we have to deal with those developers after they've had an a, a unfortunate scenario and it's frustrating. Frustrating for us because we just want to get in there and help the people, but they're so, um, you know, wired out that, that, like, you know, after you've had a bad experience, um, asking a few precautionary questions up front may, may have prevented that from happening and, and a, uh, you know, a good developer being uh, left in the lurch from a, a, um, a lender or a broker representing what they can and can't do it it's uh, it's very disappointing so yeah second point would be um, a lot of a lot of time wasters and uh, and and future train crashes ahead uh, unfortunately um, but overall as I said it's uh, there are a lot of people remaining positive um, and a lot of people who have a five ten year plan are multi-generational developers they're out there going this is the uh, wave of the cycle that um, was going to happen in a sense that the market wasn't going to keep going up at 8% per annum forever. It's not uh, China. It's a manufactured economy. It, um, you know, it goes and ebbs and flows. You've got to be ready for the next uh, ebb and flow to happen and have a plan for it, um, not be reactive to whatever's happening in the, 
in the uh, daily announcements on news.com. It's, it's, you know, taking that long-term view, investing for the long-term uh, and having contingencies that mean you can hold a project for four to six months at peak debt and not freak out. Uh, I think that's a, a big message that we've seen some people um, calmly, confidently getting on, on with their business and, and if, um, uh, if anything, being cashed up, ready to go and buy again, uh, and other people are uh, hamstrung and, and, and really freaking out. And do you think it's going to, regarding the capital markets and the, a lot of those private lenders or secondary lenders, do you think it's going to flush out the, I don't necessarily use the word cowboys, but the sort of maybe the opportunists that came into the market because banks had withdrawn and it's sort of going to flush those groups out? I think it will, and I think it will more in the way that they treat their existing borrowers um, because if they're in it just to make a buck and, and you know, lend $300 million and turn it into 400 and then disappear, then they're going to just be ruthless. Um, whereas pe- the good lenders who have been operating for 10, 20 years and they're in it for the long haul, they want to work with the borrower developer to get them out of it and fund them again into another project. You know, the best borrower is one you've lent to. Um, and you want that repeat business as a lender and, you know, us as a, as a finance broker, we want to keep working with those people time and time again. So I think the, the uh, cowboys, as you say, for want of a better word, are the, are the ones who are going to be uh, ruthless and just tip you up and kick you out. Um, and we're already, already seeing that in, a, I guess, the brutal way that some of the lenders are um, dealing with some of these people, the borrowers, developers. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll be... Um, uh, a challenge for those people. Um, also, probably in defence of some lenders who have shut shop, um, three of them I know who I've known for over a decade or more and we've done business with have shut shop for a semi-positive reason because they're multidisciplinary. Um, you know, they're now looking at do we lend money and only get 9% or do we go and buy some of these um, fatigued, run-down retail assets that we can then turn over. So, you know, it's it, it, those those guys who have shut shop isn't necessarily because lending's high, now high risk. It's just that there's better opportunity for them out there to deploy their capital into other um, opportunities, uh, sectors or uh, you know, strings to their bow of their business that they then go, well, you know, why would we lend 300 mil here when we can go and buy four or five assets over here and, and turn them over in the next three years and make better money or lower risk or whatever. So it's not necessarily that um, people are fleeing the sector because it's now high risk. It's it's also there's yeah, there's many different ways of, of why they're not, not doing. But also there's there's some, you know, like we're still raising money. We just uh, raised 2.4 mil and settled a deal yesterday for a, a nice little uh, um, dual house up here in, in Brisbane. Um I think we've done about raised about 30 mil in the last four weeks. Um, so the investors still have appetite, and also you know investors investing into these mortgage mortgages getting nine percent. It's it's good. It's safe. It's boring. It's you know it's you don't have to think about it too much. It's like you know pl- plenty of our, our investors have still got appetite to, to do things and, and get involved. Um, it's just they're not doing the you know they're, they're not taking on anything super crazy and, and speculative. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's things still happening, that's for sure. Yeah, which is no uh, bad thing. Yeah. 
anything too crazy, which is what tends to happen when things start heating up, don't it? People start taking more risks. Yep. And what about something new or different that you're doing now? Uh, well, it, every lender is, is taking a stronger emphasis on sponsor cash flow and business model um, or lack thereof. Uh, you know, surprising how many people realise they don't have a business model. They're just deal-to-deal uh, -deal junkies. Um, our team's been been really busy. I guess you know the slowdown has just and, and some of the lenders playing um, brutally to some borrowers has created really strong inquiry levels for us. Um, we're just sticking to I guess our knitting in a sense of just helping developers and getting them the funding they need and and negotiating deals to get them some good good outcomes. Um, I think I think most importantly is it's it's just knowing who's who's open and who's closed. Um, and unfortunately, there's no yellow pages of, of funders. It's it's you've got to be talking to them daily, like we are, and, and understanding uh, they might be partially closed and, and happy to do some deals. Or the way you position position present the deal to them is is what excites them, and and how to how to push some buttons and and, and get a result. Um, so I think what are we doing new and different is fo big focus on the borrower. Um, why are they a reliable um, borrower trustworthy you know are they prepared for things like this or did it catch them completely unawares because that's what you obviously don't want to to kind of see people freaking out yeah it's interesting so it's a lot more focus on the sponsor yeah well in terms of something new and different that i've been doing lately is putting a lot more phone calls to people that i haven't spoken to for a while and it was funny i was Last time you and Steve were on the show, it was during a softer market and a piece of advice Steve had was to get on the phone and talk to all sorts of different people from across the, the industry or the markets that you're involved with. And I've been doing that the last week or two and it's, it's actually been really great. Just you ring people mm -hmm. up, you chat to them, you haven't spoken to them for a while, ask them what they're thinking, what they're seeing and it's yep. What kind of information and just connections you can make just doing something as simple as some phone calls? Absolutely. Yep. It's um, it's it's the time to stay connected and see what people are seeing, um, so that you can make better better informed decisions. I mean, that's that's what what it, what it's about at the moment is is getting as much information as you can, make an informed decision, and also I think um, you know, casting my memory back to the GFC, the worst thing people can do is indecision to not decide, not actually make decisions and keep getting on with it, um, being paralysed and, and freaking out and thinking, um, you know, the world's going to end is, is definitely not a solution. Uh, you've got to make, you've got to be decisive, you've got to get on with it um, and you've got to, as I said, have that, have that long-term plan. You're not a week-to-week -week investor, you're a, uh, you know, decade cycle generational investor. So that's what you should be focused on is creating wealth for your, for your family and financial freedom and, um, you know, thinking long term. Yeah, and I think in a crisis like this, you also get an opportunity to see how people in your team or that you're working with react and respond. And if they're experienced or calm and can help you through it, I think that's a really good sign for, uh, for, for the future. Because you get all these sort of people that pop up in really good, strong markets and they make out that they're hot stuff at what they're doing, but then when things go bad, suddenly they kind of don't really know what they're doing. 
Uh, I've heard, I've had phone calls and emails from so many homeline brokers the last couple of weeks that are out of their depth and yeah, doing exactly that. Um, particularly with some of those uh, bank and, and minor bank funders that have, you know, not shut shop but raised the bar of entry massively. These guys have overpromised to uh, to customers and, and now they're freaking out and coming to us saying, please help. And uh, yeah, it's it's not nice to see people get left on a lunch like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, people have, some people have a bit more time on their hands. I think uh, I spoke to someone recently uh, who suggested people continue working furiously over this period of time so to set themselves up. But people are home a bit more than normal and maybe have a bit of extra time on their hands. So you got any books or movies or suggestions for what people can do with maybe their downtime? Yeah, uh, well, uh, uh, my, my main message is to get your, your house in order and... Um, understand well have a good understanding of your history and your future in terms of cash flow cash is king cash is oxygen for your business um where is it how does it come into your business and and where does it go out what are you spending your money on what are fixed costs what are variable costs um and so to to get to that and have a clear picture of that is to get information um so the three things that i've got uh suggestions for this uh question um first of all uh, our podcast. So we do a podcast called the Constructive Finance Podcast. I think we've done 40-odd. Um, the first, I think, 35 interview people, um, as in other developers, lenders, um, build, builders, valuers. Um, but the last five we've done are specifically on products like site loans or um, we did one on residual stock loans. We did another one on construction debt. Um, I think we're about to do one on mezzanine Pref Equity. Um, so get, uh, you know, get the, the lingo, get the understanding of the product, understand, you know, the benefits to non-bank specific construction lenders or the pain and, and frustration of, of the long process of dealing with the bank, but is it worth the benefit, um, understanding all of that. So our podcast, uh, we've also got a dictionary on our website, a glossary of terms or whatever. Um, so just getting uh, up to speed with all the lingo. Um, the second recommendation uh, is a book. It's called Profit First by Mike Michaelwitz. Um, it's all about getting your business cash flow in, in order. Uh, as I said, the way your money comes into your business and it goes out of your business um, and just understanding how that flow of money happens within your business. I think that's critical. Um, few people finding out the hard way that, um, you know, cash and, and cash is oxygen. So um, the second one would be, uh, sorry, the third one, uh, uh, a simple one, the barefoot investor. Uh, make sure your house, your home cash flow uh, is in order and, and uh, doesn't require, you know, if, if it was in order, you shouldn't have had to be reconfigured. If you've had to look at your home cash flow or your business cash flow in the last six weeks, it's probably because you weren't uh, across it and monitoring it regularly and it probably wasn't set up properly in the first place, right? So, um, you know, profit first for your business uh, book. It's a book. I think it's an audible book as well. Um, and Barefoot Investor, which I think is a book and an audible book. Um, and there's Barefoot Investor for families as well. Get your kids in it. Play the money game with your kids. I've, I've been playing the, uh, the, the the pocket money game with my kids and uh, and having a ball. It's great. So, um, yeah, educate, get it, get information and uh, and have all that stuff in place. And that makes, that makes our job helping you and structuring your projects uh, easier if you've got that information available. So use this downtime to get your your house in order, get your information in order, 
Um, it should be all readily available at your fingertips. You know, have a business model, have a cash flow, have it, have have your house in order. That's the the key message from today, mate. Yes. Well, your podcast is really good. I'm uh, always a keen listener whenever a new episode comes out. And yes, your dictionary and the um, the product guides and information that you put out from time to time that is on your website. Certainly worth the time. So if people want to grab that, where should they go? Holdencapital.com.au? Spot on. Yep. Very good. All right. Well, any last parting words of wisdom for listeners out there? No, mate. I think I've said it seven times. Get your house in order. Get get your uh, cash as oxygen um, and uh, make sure you've got plenty of it. Capitalise your business. Understand where you're... Your, your money's at and um, how you can get your hands on it to go and buy some good opportunities for the next two, three years. Yeah, well, there's a great saying that you learn good habits in bad times and bad habits in good times. So take advantage of what could be perceived as a bad time to yeah, really get yourself set up for, for future success. Yep, absolutely. Come on. All right, Dan, always good to talk to you. Thanks for Thanks, coming for however number of times it's been. <laughs> Hopefully we'll have you back. <laughs> in the near future to talk about all the great opportunities that are available in the markets and capital's flowing again. Yeah, happy to. Cheers, mate. Awesome. Thanks. You've been listening to the Property Developer Podcast. Tune in next time for more tips, ideas and inspiration to take your developing to the next level. For more developing love, make sure to visit propertydeveloperpodcast.com.